Amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And, and if you've been here for the last several weeks, you're like, hey, you just said the wrong book. <laughs> no, we've been in Philemon, and I know this does start with the same first four letters, P-H-I-L, but no, Philippians is where we're going to be today as we continue this series, Bury the Hatchet. Um, have you noticed that, uh, you know, when you're kids, you don't really think about the fact that there are differences. Like, like in kindergarten class, you don't understand the difference in income level for the most part or, or black and white or, or whatever. The, we, we don't, we don't, we're colorblind. We, we just don't see things. It's, it's, man, it's very basic, which I think is a really cool thing. But as life goes on, we, we're made aware of differences. In fact, I saw my son. Where's Cole at? Cole, where are you, bub? Come here. Cole, I want, so some of you have actually heard me use Cole as an illustration before. You actually get to see him today. I, I'm actually, uh, come here, I want you to help me out. Here, we have, uh, can you give me this backpack? Um, so, so, so here's what I'm going to do. Cole, this is a backpack. Um, go ahead and just put on the backpack. Very heavy. All right, so feeling pretty good. Like, I mean, you literally could wear that all day, no problem, right? Yeah. All right. Okay, so so his, his, this is this is man. We, we start this journey and and we really don't have much baggage to speak of at all. You know, it's just hey, we're kids. But um, can you bring this up here, Jason? You are Vanna White today. I just appreciate all that you've done. <laughs> Except Vanna couldn't do that. <laughs> I think the bucket just broke. Anyway. Uh, so let's just say, I don't know, uh, it probably happened uh, when, I, when I was a kid, I, I don't know, I think it was like, I don't know, nine or so, I got glasses. And for the first, I'd never even thought about this, I showed up to school the next day wearing my glasses, and it was it's stupid, but you know you're a kid, and they said, hey, four eyes, anybody ever, anybody ever caught, you ever hear that, yeah, okay. And so like for the very first time, I'm like, it's like a little weight. Is, is that very heavy, though? It's not really that heavy. I mean, it's like, hey, four eyes. It's like, well, that was weird. And it actually kind of felt bad, but you don't, it's like it is what it is. And so you don't think much about it. And so kind of walk around a little bit. It didn't really change anything. Though. Okay. Um, so that's fine. And then you get into middle school. And I'm going to tell you right now, middle school's brutal. I just, let's just call it what it is, okay? When we're in, what, what grade are you in? Six. Sixth grade. He's my kid, man. <laughs> so, so you're in middle school, and um, so so when you're in, when you're in middle school, um, like for me, I got braces when I was in middle school, and then it was like, hey, brace face, and and like literally there was like the kids just it was stupid. I probably got in some fights, but but the the reality was I felt a, a little more a little more weight, if you if you will. You feeling that? It's a little heavier, right? Yeah. And, um, but, but here's the deal, man. You go through, you know, you're going through life. Uh, you're, it's, it's, really, it's really not that bad. You're, you're dealing with things and all of that. And so you go through middle school, you go through high school, and, and things happen. So what do you do when you're in high school to adjust? Because you're now really seeing the differences. You, you divide into tribes. And there's no 
there's no more segregated place at a school than the cafeteria, right? People are sitting in their tribes. And so, so maybe, you know, you know, the jocks are sitting over here. Uh, you've got uh, the preps over here. You know, I'm talking my school. So like some of you are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Uh, we, we have like the, the skateboarder guys over here. We've got um, the, uh, the goths over here. Um, I'm trying to think. I know, man. I'm, oh, the, the, the people are going to like own the world. The engineers are sitting over here, the smart kids. And anyway, we, we like, we break out into all of these different tribes. And so what you do to, to actually adjust to, to this weight is you, you find like-minded people, you, you hang out with them, and that's, that's how you deal with this. Now, here's the deal. You're feeling some weight, right? But, like, could you carry this weight all day? All right? You think you carry it a week? Like, nonstop? Like, if, if somebody gave you a million dollars, could you do it? Yeah. Okay, I figured, yeah. <laughs> so... So, so here's the thing. What, you just, we just get used to adjusting the way. Okay, so, so let's say we, we got through high school. The things happen. And listen, I'm just generalizing here because I know the very traumatic things can happen in high school that, that provide a lot more weight. But let's, let's just say, you know, it's just the normal crazy stuff that, that, that we deal with. And so, so we get, uh, you know, we get into, uh, you know, we, we get into college. We, uh, we make some stupid choices. There's that, there's uh, the, the kid that does a stupid thing. And, and then we feel uh, a little more way here. I got to move some stuff around because you feeling that? Yeah. Feeling that? All right. And so, so now we, we've got we got more weight, but we're you know we're going into marriage, and we're convinced that once I start a family, then I finally have somebody that's on my team, and so I, I, I at least don't have to do this alone. I've got somebody. We're in this together. It doesn't matter what happens. It's me and you, babe. We got it. We got it. We can do this together. No matter if the whole world's against us, we've got this. And then, then we get into marriage, and we find out that that even in marriage, betrayal can take place. We can find out that there's hurts and there's wounds and, and all of that. <laughs> the reason this is my kid is I'm going to pay his medical bills. <laughs> There can be some therapy involved in this. Now, is this a load you can carry all day? Walk a little bit. Okay. So, can I hear from my assistant? I'm gonna let you off. Thank you, Cole. Actually, I got one more there. Here's the deal. It gets heavy. The person that we made vows to each other, they hurt us, they leave us. It might not be that. It might be, man, you had friendship, you had family. Junk happens. The divorce, abuse, or whatever. You, you feel the weight of that. But here's the thing you hold on to. God's not letting me down. God's not going to let me down. All my life, we sang it this morning, all my life, you've been faithful. And so, so even through the pain and the, the weight, the baggage that you are carrying around everywhere, man, you hold on at least God's 
not, man, he's there. He's faithful. He's good. And so in, in essence, in a weird sort of way, it's, it's almost like the, 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 all the tribe, all that stuff that, man, you know, it's, God, I desperately need you. And so, so in, in a weird sort of way, you, you're part of a, a church family and a body. And in a, in a weird way, even when it seems like your family has, got, they've abused, they've gone different ways, their wrongs, hurts, all that sort of thing, man, man, you find the people of God to be the family of God. And there's, man, there's some great confidence there. But here is my question. What happens when somebody among the family of God does things that doesn't look anything like God? What do you do when this weight hits? I have no idea if this will fit in here or not. I'm gonna just sit it just like that. What do you do? I tell you what, I think some of the deepest wounds are caused in the confines of a place we call church where the people of God we trust with nobody else. When we are like, I mean, I can't trust anybody else, but man, at least God's not gonna let me down. I've got, I've got a family here. The betrayal takes place here. The manipulation takes place here. The abuse takes place here. Whatever happens, you're kicked to the curb. What do you do then? Because we're in a series called Bury the Hatchet. We've been talking about forgiveness. We've been looking at the account of Philemon. And I'm not going to preach Philemon today. We're going to be in Philippians 3. But what I know is that we wrestle with this and it's really hard for us to separate God from people who have his name. But there's a very, very important choice we have to make. I'm going to be talking about a touchy subject for some of you here today. There's, there's a very big choice that we have to make even in the face of this. And, and the reason why, I, I know this is huge, in half of the, I say that generally, about half of the emails or conversations that I've had throughout the series have to do with wrongs that have taken place in the family of God, in a church situation. Here at Grace, it's not that we, you know, people that have never been to church, we have, we have a lot of people, you know, that have come here, met Jesus, and I love that. But for some reason, we've, we've been able to reach uh, man, people and then become a home for a lot of us, I just call it, it's like de-churched. Like we used to go to, we used to be part of a church and then something happened. Something that added more weight and we, we walked away for maybe a period of months actually. And there's been, some of you, it was after a period of years, you've, you've come back and, and you're still a little skittish. And I get, I get that because this is weight. But I found that, I mean, there's, there's some really, crazy stuff that's happened in the name of God and, and we've got a big choice to make. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. We have a big choice to make and it's this. Will I reject him because I've been rejected by them? Will I reject him because I've been wounded by them? Will I reject him because I've been 
manipulated by them. Because I'm going to talk about a really hard thing, um, and it's junk that takes place in, in the church. And I, I'm, I'm looking at Philippians chapter 3, and in Philippians chapter 3, the apostle Paul, he, he's, he's writing to church, and he says in verse 2, we pick up a reading, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And let me just pause here, because you're like, I don't know what he's talking about. Um, a sign of being part of the, the family of God, if you will, for, for Jews, the Old Testament, and, and you know, on into the, the New Testament at this time, was uh, that a male, after eight days, you know, when he was eight days old, he was taken to be circumcised. And this, the sign of circumcision was a sign of this. And you're like, okay, it's getting weird. Hold on. Th- this, this, was, this was just, it was an outward sign that, that you were part of the family. And so, so these, there, there was a group of legalistic Jews. In fact, other places in Scripture, uh, Paul, tongue-in-cheek, refers to them as super apostles. They, they would follow him around. He, he, he was planning these churches. He's founding. He said, I'm, I'm preaching nothing but Jesus Christ. I'm preaching the gospel of Christ, Christ's work on the cross. And, and they would follow him around. When he would leave town, they would come in. And, and they, would, they would actually undermine the teaching. And, and what they would come back to is, yeah, yes, Jesus' work is good, but, but you also need this. You also have to have this. And, and they were shaking the faith of these young believers. They were manipulating them. In fact, in, in, in other places, as Paul refers to them, he, he refers to this in, in the book of Galatians and 1st and 2nd Corinthians here. Um, this, is a, this is a major deal because they were actually manipulating the people. They were trying to... to uh, they were trying to, to get them. They wanted to be the final arbiter of, of truth. And so it was funny because they would call unbelievers dogs. They would refer to them derisively, derisively as dogs. And, and so what Paul say, he's like, hey, the, the, the true dog, if you will, here, because that was, that was, you know, unclean, lowest of the low. He, he said, are these evildoers? And he says, I want you to look out for them. I want you to look out for them. This is not of God. This is not right. We're going to see this. This, this you know, today I'm going to be talking about spiritual abuse, and I think it's important that, that you, we are on the same page just to make sure that we're talking about the same thing, okay? So let me just say this. Spiritual abuse is not being challenged. Spiritual abuse is not being held accountable. Spiritual abuse is not the exercise of godly authority. That's, that, you know, if, if we're like... Well, you know, they disagreed with me, so that's spiritual abuse. No, it's not. You're just sensitive. Okay, there's a, there's a big difference. In fact, really one of our biggest issues, many of us, our biggest issue, we don't want anybody, uh, anybody helping us to see light. You know what I'm saying? We, we just do not like that. And so because of that, in this Western individualistic mindset that we have, it's like nobody ain't going to tell me nothing. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But that's not how this, this following Jesus works. That's not what I'm talking about. We all need to grow together. We all need spiritual authority. I need it, you need it. We're all, we're all in this. Okay, so I'm not talking about this. What, what I, in fact, if you have your, your sermon guide, or if you're following on our app, what you'll see is I'm, I'm adapting this from Ken Blue, this definition of spiritual abuse. This happens when someone with spiritual authority uses that authority to exploit coerce or control a follower, which in turn creates spiritual wounds. Okay, so some of you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's a difference between this. This is, this right here that I'm talking about, this is, this is real weight. This is weight. 
right? That's what I'm talking about. Now, what makes spiritual abuse even possible? I'm getting back to Philippians, but I just, let, me, let me just, let's pause here for a second. Well, what, what, what makes this possible is, is an environment, a culture, if you will, where sanctification, which sanctification is big word, it's the process by which we're made more and more like Jesus Christ. It's the, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3.18 speaks to this. Uh, man, we're, we, are, we are transformed from one degree of glory to another. This is the work of the Lord who is spirit. It's, it's this work in which we're made like Christ. We exchange sanctification for some outward standard by which we can measure where we line up. Okay, so I, I, I just want to hit this because it's really important. We are very outcome-driven. We want to know where we stand. You go in for an interview, for a new job, you're going to ask, how much am I getting paid? What's required of me? What's this look like? When it comes to, uh, when it comes to watching a game, there's a reason we have a scoreboard. How, how, how do we know somebody scored? Like, I remember when I, my kids first started playing soccer, I didn't know anything about the rules of soccer. And so I would just, like, randomly be yelling at the ref. I had no idea what I was talking about. Just no idea. You know, once I figured out, like, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. But, but you got you to figure out, you, you know, you got to have a score. We're very wired to know where we stand. And here's the crazy thing. When it comes to sanctification, there's not always, like, this really thing that we can measure because a lot of us put our confidence in what we see. We don't put our confidence in the God who's doing the work. And there, I just want to say, man, I'm preaching today. This is good. Um, that, that there is something that, that happens that's in part of sanctification. God will even use failure as part of his development of you. And it's in times of failure that we're like, I, I haven't measured up. This is terrible. God's through with me. And that's not always, that's, I shouldn't say always, that's not the case. This is just part, this is part of the journey. And it's like, well, Pastor Keith said, you know, failure is good, so I'm going to go out and fail, and so God can change me, I'm going to fail, fail, fail. No! Apostle Paul says in, in Romans 6, that, that's, that's ridiculous. That's, that, you're cheaping, cheapening grace. You, you don't care about the, but no, what I'm saying is that, that spiritual abuse is made possible where it's a system where it's all about measuring up to some outward standard, conforming to something. So how do we move past this? What, what do we do? And I, I want to talk about this for those of you that are carrying these, these deep wounds. The first thing that we, have to, that we have to start with is recognizing the difference between godly authority and spiritual abuse. We've got to recognize the difference between godly authority and abuse because we need godly authority in our lives. But the emphasis is on the word godly, godly authority that's based upon the word of God that has everything to do with knowing Jesus, becoming like Jesus, following Jesus. The, 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 this, this godly authority that, that does not supplant Jesus with a, another person's name. It's, it's Christ. And, and so I just, again, want to come back. Many of us are suffering because we have refused accountability. We need accountability. We were not intended to walk this journey by ourselves. You need this. I need this. But there's a difference between godly authority and spiritual abuse because sp spiritual abusers will subtly hijack the emotions, the faith of immature Christians by insisting that they do certain things to measure up or, or that they do certain 
certain things to please the man, to please the woman. It's, this isn't just a, a guy thing. It's men and women here. Spiritual abuse takes many different forms. It looks like different things. So I just want to say this. At the heart of spiritual abuse is a selfish desire for either power, personal gain, control, or the lust of the flesh. And, and I want to be very clear about this. This is a carnal motivation that has nothing. Listen to me. It has absolutely nothing to do with Christ and the advancement of his kingdom. It angers me. And spiritual abuse exploits the innocent. It perverts faith in Christ. And, and the sad thing is it's not always easy to spot spiritual abuse because sometimes they're the smartest people in the room. In fact, they like to be in positions where they are the smartest people in the room, where they have all of the answers, where they are large and in charge, the one to whom everyone comes for answers. They can never, never be questioned. And so people's like, well, man, and, and let me just say, spiritual abusers are great at gaslighting. They know how to play games, and you're always the bad person through this. Now, again, I'm talking about legit. I know there's always a danger when I preach this to, that I'm justifying you holding on to stuff you shouldn't hold on to. I, but I'm talking about legitimate where you have been taken advantage of, where you have been exploited. Abusers all about validating their own sense of importance, about, about manipulating, and at the end of the day, kicking you to the curb when there's nothing they're going to get out of this. Guys, the sad thing is, this has happened for centuries. Paul is seeing this happen in his churches. And I just want to offer a word to all Christians here this morning. If there is ever, ever a time, ever a time in which you are advised to do something, you're, 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 you're called to refrain from something, to dress a certain way, to do a certain thing, to talk a certain way so that you can really be saved, you need to run. You need to run. It's not of God. We are saved by grace through faith in the work of Christ. Our faith is in Christ's work. Now, listen, are we going to change after salvation? Absolutely. The Holy Spirit will convince us of truth. He will convict us of sin. He will convict us of righteousness. We will change. Man, my speech will change. Man, my life will change. But it's not going to change so I can earn my salvation. It's going to change because I've experienced the free gift of salvation. This is so very important that we understand this. We have to look out, Paul says, for those peddling a false faith. And he says, here's why it's false. He says that we are the circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. And so what, what he says is he draws, there's a line here that we need to understand. Not only should we distinguish the difference between godly authority and spiritual abuse, we have to be able, church, to distinguish the difference between a counterfeit faith and a real faith, a genuine faith. And, and, and man, th this is where it's going to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm dogging on you, okay? I'm not intending to do this. But I want you to listen to me. This is very, very important. This is truth you need to hear. To follow Jesus Christ, we must be, we, we need the word of God. We need the work of the Holy Spirit. We need the church. These three things are such important parts of the spiritual formation. And, 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 and listen, I'm all for devotional books and all that sort of thing. But a verse with two paragraphs from, from another author is not enough for you to understand the word of God. I'm not here to bash you. I'm not here to destroy. I'm thankful for, for godly men and women who write and men who, who bring things to the surface. We need to be in the word of God. 
It's vitally important. And way too many of us, we, we don't know the word of God, so we don't know the difference between a counterfeit faith and a genuine faith. Which is important because, so for instance, you know, if this week when my paycheck, instead of being deposited in my account, our finance director comes back and says, hey, um, this week we're paying you a different form of currency, and she hands me a stack of Monopoly bills. If I'm like, oh, that is amazing. She's like, hey, gave you extra $200 this week. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter. She can give me, you know, those, those gold 500. She can give me a stack. It does not matter. Counterfeit is counterfeit. I can't spend it. Just like you say, you have lost your ever-living mind. If I'm like, oh, that is so cool. Thank you so much, honey. I got a pay raise this week. You're like, Keith lost it. In the same way that we understand that in this view, I think that many times we miss out because we don't know the difference. And what I know is if we don't know the difference between a counterfeit faith and a genuine faith, we are opening ourselves up for manipulation. Now, be careful. When I say this, I am not justifying. I'm not saying that the reason the abuse happened to you, that there's justification because you were just, you know, in a play, you know, in an area you didn't know enough and all that, and it's your fault. No, I'm not saying that. But this is very important that we understand this. If we're going to move forward, we have to understand. So, so what's the difference? A counterfeit faith places all of the confidence in what they do. And, and, and man, th this is how we, we manipulate our control. It's, it's, a, it's a checklist. Man, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done, oh, telling you, man, told you, you, you can't do this. In fact, I'm, I, I, you, you know, you're, 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 you're no good. You have, you have failed. No, we put all of the confidence in the flesh. I promise you, if your confidence is in your efforts, listen to me, your faith will be destroyed at some point. Now, let me say this. If your faith is misplaced, it's actually a good thing for you to have to re-examine that faith. It should, that, that, should be, that, that should be changed. Not, not because of abuse or anything like that. It needs to be addressed. Here's the deal. Paul said, I put, we put no confidence in the flesh. And he goes on to, to list his accomplishments in verses four through six. He's like, I, I did this. I knew this person. I studied here. I came from a privileged background. Here's what I've done. And, and, and literally, this would have blown away even these super apostles that are, are trying to knock him out. His arguments are, are sound. He said, when it came to being blameless under the law, man, I nailed it. But it didn't matter because he says in verse 7, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. And this is important because many times the person who has taken advantage, who has abused, this counterfeit faith is always beating the, the same drum. Line up, measure up, do this, don't do this. The, the counterfeit faith is boasting in performance. It's saying, you come to me. I, hey, no, you don't go to here. I'm discipling you. You don't listen to anybody else. You come to me. Listen, that is a counterfeit faith. It's dangerous and it will hurt us. It will damage us. Here's what the genuine follower of Jesus Christ, here's genuine faith without Christ. I can do nothing without Christ. I am nothing without Christ. I lose. But with Christ, I can do all things. With Christ, I've been made worthy. With Christ, I can make it. And we boast in Jesus Christ as the one who took our sins to the cross, who hung there, and who... I love this, put in the grave, he dies, he walks out, he kicks Satan's tail in. In the process, 
We make our boast in Jesus Christ. My boast is in Christ's work. It's not in my work. The genuine faith brags on Jesus. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. It's Jesus, the all-time undisputed champion. This is who my faith is in. Guys, this is genuine faith. If you don't hear anything else out of what I'm saying, this is what you need to hear. This is genuine faith. People will fail. The world does not need more godly performance. The world needs more godly people bragging on Jesus. This is where it begins. Best protection from spiritual abuse is knowledge of, understanding of the word of God. And I know that so many of you, man, you've wrestled. You've struggled. And, and guys, man, this is, a, this is a hard thing. I, I wish I could take the weight from you. This is some weight right here. Somebody came up after the first service and said, was that like foam rocks? Is that real? That's real. No foam about that. Some of you have been carrying weight. You've been in churches. Of all the places that you felt like you should be able to trust. You should be able to be safe. Man, your faith has been shattered because the family of God let you down. Will I reject him because I've been wounded by them? It's the choice that we have to make to move forward. Some of you guys, the heaviest weight that you will ever feel is the weight of being abandoned, manipulated, and abused by people of God. And though I haven't personally hurt you, <laughs> sure hope not, so you better let me know about that. I, I, I want to do this. This doesn't make it any better, but listen, on behalf of the church, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry because that's not the way of the Lord. That's not the way of Jesus. And the only thing I can do is we begin to wind this thing down this morning is to reintroduce you to Jesus. Do you know that's what we need? We need to be reintroduced to Jesus. Jesus, the, man, he went to the cross. Man, when they, when they hung him on the cross, he literally took your sins and he took my sins. He didn't hang there so you could be abused. He hung there so that you and I could be free. Does that mean that we'll never suffer pain or abuse? No, not at all. We will. But he hung so we don't have to carry this around with us. Listen, what I, what I would love to do, man, if you've been wounded by the church and you've been carrying this weight for years, go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at the life and the teaching of, of Jesus. Listen, he's the expression of God. You want to know God? Look at Jesus. He came so we would have a tangible expression of him. Now listen, don't get me wrong. He didn't lower the bar. He raised the bar. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. But, 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 but listen, listen. He loved us to the cross. 
The Jesus I want to introduce, introduce you to is the one who in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 said, Come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Anybody want rest this morning? You'll find rest for your souls. Listen to this. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, hold on a second. There is a yoke and there is a burden. But it's light. What, what's a yoke? What is a yoke? It's a means by which, at minimum, two, in this context that Jesus was saying this, two oxen can walk together. Now, I want, you to, I want you to grasp this. When he says, take my yoke upon you, what he's saying is, don't, don't feel the weight of the whole thing where you just gotta pull this load. He's saying, I want you to walk with me. The reason the yoke and the burden is light is because he's pulling the weight. We're walking with him. This is why we need to be reintroduced to Jesus. We need Jesus to get past this. We have to be reminded again that the that people who take the name of God aren't always the true children of God. Anytime there's a real thing, there's also going to be a fake. And just because a person has made a profession of salvation doesn't mean they have the possession of salvation. Just because they have knowledge about the word doesn't mean that the word has transformed them. Don't confuse. This is a great illustration. Don't confuse the people of God with God. But guys, here's, what, here's where I'm going to close. We've got to be able to distinguish the difference between spiritual authority and godly authority and spiritual abuse. And you've got to know the difference between a counterfeit and the genuine faith. We have to be reintroduced to Jesus. But for those of you who've been carrying this burden way too long, I want you to listen to me. I'm gonna call it something that this whole series is about. This is hard. You gotta forgive. Now, now in forgiving, that doesn't mean that, that you're letting them off the hook. You're admitting that they were right. No, 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 no. In fact, listen, some of us, we... Some of us, I'm all for Christian counseling. You're like, oh, that's, you know, we, we have Jesus all way. Well, Jesus gave us doctors too. He gave us medicine. Like you break your leg and you're, you're hopping around. You're not gonna say, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm gonna be fine. No, you're gonna go to the doctor and get it taken care of. Some of us have never been able to process through this stuff. You need somebody to help walk you through that. Man, find a Christian counselor. Dude, I'm, I'm 100% for that. Some of us just need to have healthy boundaries. By the way, can I just say that you can forgive and, and have healthy boundaries? You need to do that. Just because you forgive doesn't mean you gotta keep putting yourself under the abuse. That's ridiculous. That's, there's nowhere that God asks us to do that. But, but guys, listen. I got, we gotta forgive. We gotta forgive. In fact, let me close by finishing out what Paul says here. He said, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. But that which comes through faith in Christ, that righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power, man, I love this, the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. 
that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. But I want you to catch this. He said, not that I've already obtained this, not that I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Because, listen, this is why that song that we sang, whom the sun sets free is, is, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. That's, man, that's, that's who I am. I'm finding my identity. He says, I'm here. here's why. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Here's what I see, man. This is so beautiful. He said, no Christ salvation. No Christ salvation. Number two, no Christ power. Number three, forget what's behind. And when he says forget, it's not like forgetting that it happened. He's just saying that, that point that, that literally for, for 15, 20 years, 10 years, five months or whatever that is own use, that's, that's that weight. Don't put all your eggs in that basket. That wasn't the end of the story. Forget what's behind. We, we move forward. Your life isn't over. If you're not dead, God's not done. You heard that before? If I'm not dead, God's not done. We weren't called to carry this weight. The only way that we can move forward is to surrender, to let go. But we've got to make a choice. Well, I reject him because I was wounded by them. There's no doubt about it. Spiritual abuse and betrayal, even within the family of God, it leaves it leaves wounds. But they're wounds that can be healed, not through our efforts, but by surrendering them to the master. We'll have scars. You're never gonna, you're never gonna forgive me. I mean, we, we, we're not gonna forget that, but we can forgive. And it's gonna leave scars. But the scars, it's not the person who is scarred that is disqualified from being a child of God. Now listen, there are no such thing as, as even victims child of God. Listen, our identity is not as a victim. Our identity is not in our sin. Our identity is not in our shame. Our identity is not in our failure. Our identity is in this. We are sons and daughters of God and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. Spiritual abuse can be overwhelming, oppressive. But can I tell you, it's not a burden you have to carry. Now, Listen, does, does moving past this happen overnight? No, 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 no. But it happens through what I've shared, but ultimately letting God in this painful, desperate act of worship have this weight. That's when God can do what only God can do. So as we close, I just want to pray for you this, this morning. Lord, I know that I'm talking to people who over the last several months, potentially years have felt the weight the weight of, of, of pain that they didn't think was possible pain that came from because, because they were in a, in, a, in a place where they thought they were saved in a place that they were trusting and yet people who had the title whether it be pastor or, or spiritual leader, life group leader or just, just someone that, that had some influence in their lives manipulated, exploited, coerced did things that, that should not have been done Lord I know that there's a pain and a weight that comes from that if we hold on to this
And Lord, there's some people here that have been holding this weight a long, long time. God, I'm not here to shame or anything like that other than I'm just praying that today your Holy Spirit has brought awareness. We need to look out for this, but God, we also have to move forward from this. And so God, I'm praying in the name of Jesus that you would do a work here this morning, that the journey would begin of releasing and letting you have this, of starting this, this journey to forgiveness. God, for what you're going to do as we recover from some of the deepest, darkest hurts and we bury the hatchet and we let you have it, I thank you for this. To God, there are a lot of stories that have yet to be written in our lives. And I don't know what you have in store for grace, what you, what, what you want to do for the people that are here today. But God, we're trusting you that you're not done, that you're going to move. And so, Father, for what you're going to continue to do in, in our midst, we thank you. And I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. amen. Now listen, next, uh, let, let me just say this. I know that a message like this triggers people. And what I mean by that, man, there's some junk that you've been shoving down that you're like, I'd rather not think about that. If I can help any way, I don't have all the answers. I'm not, a, I'm not like a professional counselor or anything like that, but man, feel free to email me, reach out. Man, let's just start this journey. It's a journey. I want you to trust God. And ne next week as we come back, we're going to finish out this series and we're going to look at the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. But we're going to go back to Philemon and we're going to see the rest of the story. We're going to see what God did. So I hope you'll join us next week. Great to have you here. Have a great week. You guys are dismissed.